special edition of Jazz Just the Way We Like It with a tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King. This other America has a daily ugliness about it that constantly transforms the buoyancy of hope into the fatigue of despair. In this America, millions of work-starved men walk the streets daily in search for jobs that do not exist. Economically, the Negro is worth, worse off today than he was 15 and 20 years ago. And so the unemployment rate among whites at one time was about the same as the unemployment rate among Negroes. But today the unemployment rate among Negroes is twice that of whites. And the average income of the Negro is today 50% less than whites. And as we look at these problems, we see them growing and developing every day.
That was part of Dr. King's speech, The Other America. Uh, that was given in 1967, Stanford University. Larry, have you ever heard that speech? No, that one I have never heard. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful speech that he gave. And his study has found a wealth gap between... You know? Yeah. Uh, Those were the statistics at that time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He talked about uh, the other America, and he looked at poverty and homelessness and all these social issues. This was done in 1967 at, at Stanford University, a year before he graduated. It's one of the speeches they don't play That's much. Right. I mean, one before he was assassinated, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. It's one of the speeches that you don't hear people play much. Uh, and they don't associate Dr. King with his work against uh, uh, poverty and inequality. You know, and, and believe it or not, he, he addressed certain issues like uh, government programs for farmers and corporations, and he called that socialism. And he says we have socialism for corporations, but for people, we have just capitalism. So it's interesting that at that time, he had that viewpoint. Uh, the Other America is the name of that speech. And the music that we played uh, prior to that speech was Hubert Laws. Welcome, folks. This is jazz just the way we like it. And this is our little tribute to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, King uh, was a very powerful speaker. I don't know. And let's play a little bit more, if we can get a little bit more of that speech. In this America, people are poor by the millions. And they find themselves perishing on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. You know, you know it's, it's interesting that he makes these remarks because uh, uh, Yang, who's running for the presidency, yes. talks a lot about this idea of income in inequality and, and the fact that there's just not going to be jobs uh, for a good portion of the population because they don't have the technical skills for the types of jobs that's being developed. And, and you're going to have a... a, a, a uh, consistent group of people who are going to have permanent unemployment. So Yang says, well, if that's going to be the case, why not give everybody $1,000 so they can build on that to begin to meet their basic needs? That's basically his argument. Um, and it's been catching on with some people. And he, he, he based this on not, not any system, he based it on the fact that automation and, and, and technology is just eliminating more jobs that we can create. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, and it's interesting. We see it in the big cities, but not as bad as it is in the rural areas. So, you know, we grew up in Brooklyn, man, in New York. We remember the 70s and the 80s and the heroin abuse. 
you know. And so when they talk about the drug epidemic being greater in terms of numbers of people and overdose than what it was in the 70s, it's almost like we can't relate to it because we don't see it in our community. But that's hitting the rural areas where they were like one industry and two industry towns, and either those industries left or they're automated, and people can't find work. And we see this uh, issue of substance abuse going haywire, you know? Reflection of the times again. Yeah, oh yeah, you know? but uh, so so one of his speeches, the other America, was at Stanford University. That was Dr. King. Uh, in the '60s, man, so much happened, Larry. I was, uh, you know, reflecting. In 1963, uh, November, JFK was killed. Right. Assassinated. I remember that because that's the first time I saw my mother being very upset. I think she was more upset because JFK was a Catholic than he was a president. But being that combination made it something. Uh, Malcolm was killed in 65. I, I remember you, you mentioned about when Malcolm came to bed And when you mentioned that, I went back to that. I said, yeah, I went over there for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was killed in 65. Uh, Martin Luther King was killed in 68 in April. And then in June 68, uh, Robert Kennedy was killed. Man, that's a massive amount of assassinations in a five-year period. Whoa. Uh I don't think there's any other period in American history where we saw uh, that many uh, assassinations. Can you think of any period? No, no, not the, no. Um, you know, the president and then leaders and then uh, President Hopeful, you know, yeah. Bobby, Bobby uh, Kennedy at the time was uh, running for president. Um, and was just out on, I think it was L.A. when he when he died. Yeah. Uh, when he was assassinated, rather. And uh, uh, the 60s was just a turbulent time. Yeah. And when you look at it, it was really a violent time as well. Oh, yeah. You know, there was a lot of violence, including the riots and demonstrations, people being shot, uh, students at yeah. Kent State, uh, you know, just shot. You know, I know, I know. You know, for pro for, for for protesting. So um, it's like I, we we went through it, but it was like that's what's going on. So we didn't look at it as any heavy duty stuff happening. No, no, we just, that was, that that was, was part just of the, it. Just the time. Yeah. But now when we look back at it and says, "Man, man." Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a tough time. Yeah. And and here was here's the thing, man. You know, Martin Luther King was unbelievable, unbelievable person, unbelievable. But yeah, you know, and I know, in the early '60s, man, before he was assassinated, he was not that popular in the North. No, he was not. He was yeah. definitely not. No, he was not. Most people didn't didn't like his strategy. 
did, couldn't take his message and did not support him, especially young people. Uh, that, that included me. Yeah, and me too. Yeah. Now, what, what, one of the times that, that changed me, you know, when I was in college, I saw him speak. I went to Riverdale, Riverside Church, when he gave that speech on why I'm against the war in Vietnam. Okay. Uh, and that just, you know, that was, that was just amazing. Me and a friend of mine went. I think, I think the, for the powers that be, when he went out against um, Vietnam, that was too much for them. Yeah. The fact that he was trying to help the poor. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. First, he tried to help uh, blacks. Then he tried to help the poor. That's, you know, he was, oh, he yeah. was extending his 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 approach to to the problems at hand. Yeah. And then when he went at Nam, that was I think that was too much for the powers to yeah. be. I, I don't think that they could deal with the, the fact that he had broadened his audience in terms of people listening to him, people who were following him. They weren't only black people that were following Martin Luther King. Because Martin Luther King followed Gandhi's policy of nonviolence, but it was also the fact that he was dealing with other issues yeah. that was outside of the color issue. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was outside of being you know a discrimination just against blacks. Yeah, it was yeah. about poor. Yeah, it was not black poor. It was, it was poor. about it was about poor poverty. Yeah, you know, and and you know that I think. The government didn't like that. Cause no, no, no. Hoover had had him, you know, yeah, uh, had a mocked person. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, I, 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 man, you know, I look at the, those people we, we named who died in the 60s, um, JFK, Robert Kennedy, Malcolm, and uh, Martin Luther King, and the only person I can remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when that person died was Martin Luther King. I know exactly where I was uh, when I heard the news that he was killed. See, I, for me, it was JFK. Okay. JFK, I was in the gym. i never forget this. I was in the gym at Boys High School in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. At and the then, Annex. No, this wasn't the Annex. Oh, no. In 63, I was... Uh, oh, you were in the main the, building. I yeah. was in the main building. I yeah. was a junior at that point. Okay. So uh, they let us know, and we, 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 we went home. And I remember how, how sad everybody was during that time. I, yeah. that there was just a, a grayness in the sky. It was like, it's just, it, was just a, it was just a bad time. I know. It's, it's like this idea <laughs> of the president, this, this image of a president then. Yeah. And for that person to be assassinated, yeah, man was just unheard of because to be a president, man, was like the ultimate achievement. And you look at that and that image we had then, and look at the compare it to the guy who occupied the White House now. Yeah, and the way he, the language he used, everything he does, man, just he's just not presidential. No, he's just not. Yeah. Wow. Here's a song, man, that reflects that time, the civil rights movement, uh, the struggles that happened. And the name of this song was uh, uh, Hymn to Freedom. Oscar Peterson. Sit back and enjoy. 
Nelson, Room to Freedom, dedicated to the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, you had Oscar Peterson on piano, Ray Brown on bass, uh, and Ed Triggins on drums. Wow, man, that's a sweet piece, Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You combine blues, jazz, uh, gospel. Yeah, Peterson is so good with those fingers and the way that he tickles with the diaries. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah Matt, he, you know, he, he uh, produced over 200 albums, man. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think I might have mentioned it before. He was Canadian. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, when we were talking earlier about uh, Dr. King and why he was assassinated and when he took certain stands, here's another part of another speech called The Three Evils of Society, where he talks about war, racism, and poverty. And you don't hear this speech very often. So let's, let's listen to a part of it. time of double talk, when men in high places have a high blood pressure of deceptive rhetoric and an anemia of concrete performance. We crowd against welfare handouts to the poor, but generously approve an oil depletion allowance to make the rich richer. Six Mississippi plantations receive more than a million dollars a year not to plant cotton, but no provision is made to feed the tenant farmer who is put out of work by the government subsidy. Crowning achievement in hypocrisy must go to those staunch Republicans and Democrats of the Midwest and West who were given land by our government when they came here as immigrants from Europe. They were given education through the land-grant colleges. They were provided with agricultural agents to keep them abreast of farming trends. They were granted low interest loans to aid in the mechanization of their farms. And now that they have succeeded in becoming successful, they are paid not to farm. And these are the same people who now say to black people whose ancestors were brought to this country in chains and who were emancipated in 1863 without being given land to cultivate a bread to eat, that they must pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. What, what they truly advocate is socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. I wish that I could say that this is just a passing phase in the cycle of our nation's life. 
certainly times of war, times of reaction throughout the society. But I suspect that we are now experiencing the coming to the surface of a triple-pronged sickness that has been lurking within our body politic from its very beginning. That is the sickness of racism, excessive materialism, and militarism. Not only is this our nation's dilemma, it is the plague of Western civilization. As early as 1906, W.B. Du Bois prophesied that the problem of the 20th century will be the problem of the color line. Now as we stand two-thirds into this crucial period of history, we know full well that racism is still that hound of hell which dogs the tracks of our civilization. Ever since the birth of our nation, white America has had a schizophrenic personality on the question of race. She has been torn between cells, a self in which she proudly professed the great principles of democracy and a self in which she madly practiced the antithesis of democracy. This tragic duality has produced a strange indecisiveness and ambivalence toward the Negro, causing America to take a step backward simultaneously with every step forward on the question of racial justice, to be at once attracted to the Negro and repelled by him, to love and to hate him. There has never been a solid, unified, and determined thrust to make justice a reality for Afro-Americans. The step backward has a new name today. It is called the white backlash. But the white backlash is nothing new. It is the surfacing of old prejudices, hostilities, and ambivalences that have always been there. It was caused neither, it was caused neither by the cry of black power nor by the unfortunate re recent wave of riots in our cities. The white backlash of today is rooted in the same problem that has characterized America ever since the black man landed in chains on the shores of this nation. That's a pretty powerful speech. This does not yeah, most imply people don't that associate those words with Dr. Martin Luther King, but that was a speech done in 1967 in Chicago called "The Three Evils of Society." Uh, that's one of the, it's a it's a great speech. Uh, it's a long speech, almost an hour. Uh, of yes, course, sir. we can't play the whole thing. Go ahead. Yes, a uh, very powerful language. Wow, uh, his vocabulary is just. You know the imagery that that, yeah. that he provokes when he when he speaks is like forget about it. Yeah. You know? Now you you know you you think in your head the 1963 speech with I had a dream, and and compare it to this one, and you see he's changing. Yes, and why they wanted to get rid of this man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 1963, he was asking for stuff. Yeah. 
Now he's pointing out stuff. <laughs> there's, there's a difference between, yeah, you know, asking and, and then pointing out stuff that that's prevalent in the society at the time. Yeah. Well, when he was killed, man, uh, a day or two later, man, uh, this song was written by Nina Simone. Uh, let's listen to it. We want to do a tune written for today, for this hour, for Dr. Martin Luther King. We stayed before that and the whole program is dedicated to his memory, but this tune is written about him and for him, and so we had yesterday to learn it, and so we'll see. Hmm. 
folks you'd better stop and think cause we're headed for the brink what will happen now that he is dead For equality for all people, you and me. Full of love and goodwill. Hate was not his way.
caught a few days after the assassination of Martin Luther King. You know, his his death was the first time I seen a funeral for a black person on television. And I remember watching that, sitting there watching it. Uh, because, you know, uh, you just didn't see stuff like that on television at that time. No. Very rarely did you see blacks on TV at that time. <laughs> yeah. It was just starting to happen, though. It was starting to happen in the 60s. Yeah. Starting yeah. to bring a couple of shows on and and you saw more uh, black folks coming on, but to have an actual almost state funeral, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that it was on TV and, and uh, you know, the, the media uh, coverage of it, right? you know, was, like, tremendous. You know, he was instrumental in passing the Voter Rights Act, the, uh, the Civil Rights Act, uh, it makes you think what things would have been like if there was no king. I'm sure maybe eventually these things would have been uh, changed, but uh, what would have uh, occurred if there wasn't a Martin Luther King? Uh, yeah, it's it's sort of like, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think that they would have occurred then. I don't think that Yeah. Uh, there had to be certain things that sparked these yeah. type of things yeah. for it to happen. For it, otherwise, you know, most people uh, do not like change. I know, I know. You know, they like the status quo, especially and, when it's working for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's, if, yeah, if it's working for you, don't yeah. you don't want to change at all? You, you know what, what? What played a role though, and you're right with that, is uh, television. When television brought the civil rights demonstration into the living rooms of the average American and the water holes and the dogs. I mean, that just right in their face. Yep. And they had to, you couldn't deny it. You know, you, you, they had to deal with it. It's, it's like the issue of the African-American young people and cops. I mean, we know that issue. It's been an issue all our lives. But white folks didn't believe it until we got the cell phone. Yeah. Then you can't deny it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It gets into, it's right there in your face. And Rodney, uh, Rodney, uh, that thing that happened out in L.A. Yeah, that was That was, that was. Yeah, I was on television. That was on TV. Yeah. 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 You know, uh. I remember, man, when I was in Boys High, man, my junior, my senior year, and I was getting, you know, sending for pamphlets for all the southern schools. I knew I couldn't go down there. I knew it, but I wanted, I wanted because I really wanted to go to a historical black college. Uh huh. But no, I know I, 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 I couldn't go down there. Man. Yeah, I wanted to go to How, uh, Howard myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things, man. Well, folks, this is our dedication to Dr. Martin Luther King. I'm sitting up here with my good friend, Lawrence Williams, ma'am, and we're talking about King and that time. Uh, but we're also playing some jazz, man. And here's a tribute to Dr. King by a jazz saxophone player, Cecil Payne. So enjoy this, and this is called Martin Luther King, Jr., Thank you. 
What happened there, Larry? That's Cecil Payne on a piece called Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh, that's a tribute to Martin Luther King. Oh, Cecil Payne on sax, King drum, on trumpet. Uh, Little Kelly on piano. And uh, Alvin Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Are you making that tribute to Dr. King? I assume... He's looking at the struggle and the death of Dr. King. Here's another jazz musician who wrote a piece to uh, honor Dr. King, and uh, he calls this piece the Peaceful Warrior. It's like a contradiction, man. Uh, what is the word? Totolo totology? 
You remember that from Boy's Time, man? That one I don't. <laughs> remember two opposites that uh, exist at the same time? Oh, okay. Uh, the Peaceful Warrior. Archie Shep. Archie Shep, man. Let's see. Listen to this, folks. That's Archie Shep on a piece called Dr. King, the Peaceful Warrior. That's an interesting piece by Archie Shep, man. Well, man, this is uh, Dr. King's birthday, man. You know, and uh, January 15th is the official day, right? Yeah. And we celebrate it always the Monday after the 15th. Um, but, you know, it was a, it was a long struggle to uh, get this to, to be a national holiday. Yep. Uh, but a person that played a, a big role in that struggle was a Stevie Wonder, and of course, you know we know his song. We got if we're having a tribute to Dr. King, we gotta play Stevie Wonder. So here's Stevie Wonder, Happy Birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. 
Wonder. Happy birthday. Uh, hey, Larry, man. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Realized that that birthday song was for him. Yeah. I've always, I, I guess I, I didn't listen didn't to it. Yeah, the words. Yeah, yeah. I didn't listen to it. Yeah, the music. The words. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Just Dr. King, man. It was like Malcolm too. Yeah. You know, people didn't follow Malcolm when he was with the Nation of Islam. Oh. You know? Oh no, man. Later on, when he left the nation, people started paying a little bit more attention. But then, he was more inclusive. Yeah. That, that's, but that's then after his death, the oh, same man. with King. Yeah. Man, we realized what if a an gem opera skier made a phone plan, it would look a lot well, like folks, Google Fi because it would work uh, on a brand new phone. Look, Thank hot you for tub selfie. And I hope oh. you enjoyed this podcast. And their brand new new phone. Uh, so we enjoyed bringing it to you. And let's end it on a poem. Maya Angelou. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment. And yet each of us has awakened and risen. Uh, somehow made our ablution, seen other human beings, and said, Morning, how are you? Fine, thanks, in you. It's amazing. Wherever that abides in the human being, there is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, fat, vowed or celibate, we rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just because I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like suns and like moons, with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high. Still I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes. Shoulders falling down like teardrops. Weakened by my soulful cries. Does my sassiness upset you? (laughs) Don't take it so hard just because I laugh. (laughs) As if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I'll rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh. 
Does it come as a surprise that I dance? As if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history's shame I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the hope and the dream of the slave. And so, naturally, There I go rising. Share abroad at no extra charge with everyone.